from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company on a Monday. Devon is here filling in for Ari, who's out for the week on vacation. John Von Tobel, my God, wearing an Angels hat. Maybe we'll get through some baseball in the yeah! middle of the show. We actually have a good baseball roundup. Uh, and I guess we're going to get news today. I don't know. This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen with this hard deadline for the A's and the stadium vote. And it's just been quiet all day. So we'll see what comes down here in the next three hours. But today is about the Knights. Stanley Cup final, game number two. Really impressive third period over the weekend. So we'll get into that. We'll start looking ahead. Already some angst and heat between the teams. Also maybe a little bit coming from Pantherland and how hardcore they are. That's This is great, by the way, for Vegas people to be like, you're not hardcore like we are in hockey, right. soft market. But we'll get into that as well. Busy day. Busy day. First of all, we have to get a couple updates as I open the rundown. A couple updates. I am genuinely concerned about this. One, how's your foot? Oh, it's good. Now, there's what did I say over the weekend? Who small issue. was it? Did did the judge get cleared? Judge before I think Aaron Judge at the beginning of the weekend was talking about smashing his toe and was kind of indifferent about whether it was broken. And I thought of you immediately because Willie Ramirez, Doc Willie. Last week told you, really, there's nothing you can do when you think you've broken a toe. Yeah, so um, Aaron Judge on the broken toe said, quote, it's tough to say, I've never broken a toe. We'll see what the tests say. I don't want to throw anything out there. So I'm. I, the more time goes by, the more I'm pretty certain my toe uh, did break. Also why? It doesn't hurt anymore. Are you, are you drugged to the gills? No, it's pretty crooked. <laughs> oh, no. Like, it didn't look like that before I hurt the toe. So like so now it's set in in a weird direction. Yes. What are you doing? Well, you know what's kind of funny though, it's the second toe on that foot that I've done that to. I went on a mud run like six years ago, and when I when I got out of it, you know, like you know, after you're cooled down, you're showered, and you're inebriated because you had a really long run, and I looked at my toe, and it's my second toe, and it goes straight, and then it's like it just pops off to the right. Yeah. I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that, but it didn't hurt, so I never did anything about it. So I've got two crooked toes on my left foot, but I can still walk and run and. Do all that kind of stuff, so I'm good. Damon, do you have good feet? You wrestle, man. I was gonna say he's a pro not. wrestler. You probably busted up your you're you're only what you're not even thirty yet, right? Uh, you're no, like mid twenties. You should have real you should have real good feet. Yeah, I guess my feet are good. I mean, I'm not complaining about my feet. I don't have any of these accidents. I'm more of like a hand guy, where it's those odd injuries where it's like, is this broken? I don't know, but I'll just not use it for a while and hope that really? it you know, like snaps it. back into place. Like have you ever broken a hand? No. Not officially. Not officially, but there have been moments where you you know you brace yourself wrong, and it's like yeah. my wrist hurts every time I move it in a certain direction. Hopefully, Still? it'll just go away. Did it go away? Nah, not really. Does it click? A little, yeah, there's like some away. clicking yeah, in there. Probably. I have almost like no injuries. I got really? stitches a while back in a couple of spots, but uh, yeah, I'm jinxing myself. But nothing. Got it dislocated. I actually, as I get older, I want I want people to look at my feet and go, "Hey, it's pretty good." They don't look like old man feet because my hands. Oh boy. What I've, I think they're starting. They're not beat up or like twisted, but you just you start getting all wrinkly and stuff. I got I got is it rheumatoid arthritis that runs in my family. So when the, you know, like my hand, my grandma's hands got a little crooked uh, near the end of her days. My dad's hands are a little crooked getting there. Really? So I'll probably get that too. I mean, maybe my toes are never broken. Maybe it's just the arthritis kicking in. Who knows? Mm. Um, but I will say, yeah, I have not not dislocated. But what's when your shoulder dislocates and then pops back in? Is it a subluxation or something like that? I've had that. 
Um, you're going like super medical here. It was just this was like casual conversation about your foot, and yeah. you're like, you're Doc JVT. Well, you were saying that you never suffered any injuries, so like, yeah, I've Dr. gone through Von some. Tobel. Yeah, gone through yeah, some. Pretty much nothing. Not like crazy. Pretty much nothing. But I don't do anything. You know, I don't do anything. Uh, I could have gone out to dinner on Friday night, like you did. Was that Friday? Yeah, it was Friday. Oh, what a lovely picture. Can I? What a lovely can picture. Can I? I should have sent you this get, in. Did you get? Did you get some creepy? Yeah. Okay. Did someone from Lotus? Did the same guy who looked through your phone was no. trying to like invade your phone to find pictures of your wife? Nobody. Did he, did he make a creepy comment? He did not. No. Okay. The man who tried but, to. But zoom by in. the way, I've seen this before. I actually worked with. Um, there's a lady named Nicole Zalumis. Oh yeah. I don't really know what Nicole's doing anymore. I think she's just raising her family. But she was a pretty big. You know, anchor on NFL Network for a long time. Then she did Sirius XM. There was a Bleacher Report channel, so I got to do a lot of shows with her. And she had pointed out, um, she, you know, she's a nice looking lady, super fit, like rocked, right? And she had pointed out on on IG that there was a photo of her up there, and some local Las Vegas radio host had commented on it. And I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. Is this guy like sort of stalking you? So did you get any stalky action? By the way, I will not name the Las Vegas. DJ in this case. So here's the thing. I'm married to my wife. I think my wife is beautiful. Yeah, like you know what I mean? What? So like <laughs> I'm married to her too. <laughs> so like come on. Yeah, I post a picture of my wife. It's my wife. Right. Whatever. We've been married for a while, I've been together for a while. I so hope <sighs> you got great, great catch, John. Well, that's what like, we got. Like it was out, like a out shooting the coverage. Right. That it was a bunch of out that. kicking the coverage. It, it was a bu- it was like a bunch of that. There was like a you devil or you dog or something like that. Or big upset. JVT's wife is hot. And I was like, all right, like let's chill a little bit. You don't bit know here. this is gonna come your way? I didn't think that that really I, I just didn't think people would be that comfortably that weird. Oh yeah, guys. Jesus H. Christ, John, you lucky MFR. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Really? <laughs> that guy. If I think it's the, t- the account that you're thinking of, that I, that I'm thinking of, that guy actually followed that tweet up like two days later on the same topic, and I was like, okay. Was that Crackman? No, no, it was. It's like an anonymous. That's the Elvis toast pattern or something like that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Toast guy. Does, does that guy still do stuff for you at Vsin? Uh, he's on with Gil okay. once a week, I think. I don't know the official. He posted something over the weekend. I guess where was he? Oh, he was in South Florida, and they have like uh, at one of the casinos down there, maybe the Hard Rock Seminole. They have. An outdoor patio with gambling on it. And he's like, I've never seen outdoor gambling. Like the immediate response from people is like, they're at the pools right. all over <laughs> town here for like 40 years. <laughs> like blackjack. Um, probably longer than that. You could, probably find, you could probably find pictures in the 60s yeah. of the Flamingo <laughs> with a freaking blackjack table outside. Like, they don't like the conditions. Like, dude, what? What? That was weird. It is very weird. <laughs> so are you, so was this a good thing for your ego or you, do you? Because last week we had a we had a little issue last week with a Bay Area reporter, um, Bertie Brazil, ran some oh, yeah. some tape of us and was like blown away that we knew about the Oakland sitch on the A's and the Howard Terminal. And he was like, "Whoa, credibility through the roof!" By the way, he tweeted at me because he then heard what we said. <laughs> he tweeted at me. And he's like, "I meant that as a compliment." Yeah, I was like, "I did. understand yeah. you did. I understand you did." So do you? Are you now insulted that people are like, oh, attractive wife, good for you, John? Or does it, does it make you proud or you pissed? You're like, well, 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 so I actually, I, I viewed it as a massive negative because <laughs> a lot of these ugly guys think I'm ugly, I guess, which is pretty bad. You know what I mean? Um, you have good hair. I mean, look, if we're really talking about this, I'm handsome and hilarious, so it's not really a surprise. You're hilarious. Yeah. You're a funny guy. Successful. You are successful. You're head of hair. You're very successful. You know? you're, a, uh, you're a rising star. You've already arrived, but you're rising beyond this. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? It's impressive stuff. Capable of having children. Okay, you can hear what we're doing here. Uh, this is very important stuff, but I'm delaying once again talking about something I don't want to talk about. Sinewy. And that is the A's and this vote. Um, is it happening? What, like, what's, what's happening here? Well, what I saw over the weekend was a really interesting... I don't think there was a turn, but I did see multiple reports. Uh, Arash, our buddy out of L.A. and Vegas... With his Sporting Tribune, you know, he's got Norm working for him. Norm, of course, from the old RJ, the old RJ, Norm's old column in the RJ. Uh, Norm said he had a, you know, former legislative insider who said the case on the yes side is getting weaker. Uh, Saw some others follow up with this as well, saying it's gone from a yes to a maybe. So we'll have to see how this plays out. I thought the other one that was really interesting is Casey Pratt from Channel 7 in the Bay Area, John, went on 95.7 The Game. Mm Mm-hmm in the Bay Area, on Friday morning and said he's heard that John Fisher and company, their money situation actually is not very good. And if they don't get the Nevada-Vegas deal, they may have to sell. So I was like, <laughs> wait, what? So now, now our legislators are in a position where they may have to save the John Fisher-owned A's, or if they say no, they may be saving baseball for Oakland. Because my guess is when he sells, I mean, I would hope, Lordy, I would hope that Bobby Manfred would get involved and at least help the A sell to a Bay Area ownership group or an ownership group that was committed to stay in the Bay Area. But all to be seen. We could be five minutes away from 98% yeses. I don't know. I mean, yes. Also, though, I thought, what happened? Isn't there a better deal waiting in Sacramento? So if it doesn't uh, happen here, then can't you just go to Sacramento and talk to that guy? Well, that one was weird. <laughs> we played that on Friday, and all that was is some you know local commerce guy right. saying we could do a good deal. Uh, he hadn't really spoken to the A's, and he also said we have to get Governor Newsom behind us. Uh, the California governor is not going to get behind right. public money for a stadium. But by, by the way, he is way too busy right now. I think just he's going to meet somewhere in the middle of the country and just fist fight <laughs> Ron DeSantis. It is getting like I would pay is, for that. It is getting epic. Um, I think he called him a like a pathetic little man. I'm like, wow. Govs, get back to work in your own states. Let's De- go. DeSantis lost some weight. He slimmed down. Um I here's my he didn't call him a pathetic little fat man. He just no. called him a pathetic little no, man. No, I'm saying the little man is accurate. He slimmed down. He slimmed down. Oh okay, yeah. I get it. Um I have no idea. I've never been around him so he may be a hulking figure. That's a good point. Well, because here's my thing. The point about Manfred, are we sure that Manfred would want somebody like, are we sure he cares about the Bay Area? I think he's done. I, I think so, That's too. why I threw it out there. But I think I think he's done. That's why he's allowed this to go on for as long as he has and why this has gotten so absurd. I mean, read his comments. Yeah, we've done everything we can out there. I don't know. Hands are tied. Got to go to Las Vegas mm-hmm. now. And meanwhile, there's an Oakland site up with a new message as of like last Thursday saying, hey, we're, we're wide open here. Yep. We are willing to go to the negotiating table. We can talk. Like we don't. There's no problems here. Just come back and you know negotiate in good faith, right? All right. So VGK over the weekend, that was interesting because that was a nerve wracking game, but it seemed to play out like almost every not every, a lot of the VGK games in the playoffs. John, mm-hmm. third period, depth. The other team gets a little worn down, and I'll tell you what the Panthers had a really tough time with was clearing people out front of the net. I mean, you could see Bobrovsky on a couple of the goals, like, slam the stick. And he's like, I, I'm not, I don't know if he's saying this, but my, his thought would be, I can't see! Move! Stop having our guys plant 
in front of the net and move their guys out from in front of me. There was actually an instance where the Vegas, where VGK had too many guys in front of the net because I was pretty sure on one of those deflections because it got deflected a second time. It looked like it was actually going in for what would have been ultimately a six goal. I, I mean, I thought it was brilliant, like you said, like a ton of depth. You get blue liner scoring guys like White Cloud. Like it's coming from all angles. I I, I thought it was awesome what Vegas did in that game. It was just pressure. It was just traffic. And it was just constantly on them. And in terms of the shot share, they barely lost it. You know, one shot goes in their direction in terms of shots on goal, and they win it in terms of, I think, the, the Corsi 4 percentage of the analytics. But they were brilliant. They were, I thought they were very good against Florida. A lot of drama in the game. We'll get to Kachuk getting a couple of punches off on uh, Haig. Not one-on-one, but when Haig was being grabbed from behind, then Kachuk's like, pop, pop, pop. And he kept going. He was, uh, he was real petulant. During the game, we'll see how the Knights approach that tonight. So we'll get into that and the recovery of Bobrovsky, who's freaking awesome. Uh, Knights have some things to clean up as well. On the way back, though, let's get to – we got a series, baby! We got – oh, wait, this sounds like the Lakers and Nuggets. But I'm going with it again this time. We got a series. Jimmy Buckets isn't even here yet. He's barely arrived. Oh, there's help on the way. Caleb Martin will be healthy on Wednesday. Tyler Hero. He's like, you with your toe. He's ready. He doesn't care. He's ready with the broken hand. Seven-game series. I might flip it to the Heat now. I might be picking the Heat. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Butler, a three-pointer. Off the side of the rim. Brown, the rebound. Should the Heat foul here? I'm taking a foul. I'm not allowing them to get off a three. Denver does have a timeout, but they're not using it. Four seconds. Murray, step back. Three-pointer. Long go. Fight for the rebound. Martin. And it's over. The Miami Heat have tied the NBA Finals. Can you feel the heat down in your soul? Good game. Heat back in the series. Will it be a real series? I said seven before the whole thing started. I think the Heat can be really dangerous, especially if, and we're going to go through the shooting numbers, if they can keep this up. And I think the response from a lot of people is, it's going to stop. Well, it hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped. And they've got more help on the way we think. We think if Spolster is going to lift the ban on Tyler Hero, he said he's trying to be really, really careful. There was speculation that Hero, a 20-point-per-game guy who hasn't played since the beginning of the playoffs, could be ready to go in game two. He was not. So, for the Nuggets, the fourth quarter was a disaster. Mm. Their defense was not very good. I want you to break down some of the defensive deficiencies, but can I give you J.J. Reddick's read on the beginning of the fourth quarter when you saw back-to-back plays near the corner and just utter confusion? Christian Brown, I mean, a lot of upside, but had no idea what he was doing. Here's Reddick on, uh, what is it, the old man in the three, his uh, TikTok podcast as he breaks down some of the early defensive failures that led to a disastrous fourth quarter. Twice on the same play, which is just delay action, uh, Duncan curled to the middle. Gabe Vincent went to set the screen. Duncan came out of the left corner. He curled to the middle. The first time, they tried to switch, but Christian Brown just kept chasing Duncan. He got, And Gabe Vincent got a three. The second time, Christian Brown trailed Duncan. They didn't switch. Duncan gets a layup. Terrible. Yes, terrible. It's the kind of crap you saw in the 80s, early 80s, when the games were super high scoring and guys were either not up on defense or just lazy. What are you talking about? That was the best era of defense. Everybody played the best go defense back, ever Go seen. back and watch. There's There are tremendous players in the early 80s, but the defense is – there's a lot of a lay defense, and once there's one action or a second action, 
the play is over for the offense. It's an easy bucket. Mm-hmm. That's inexcusable. You can't have that happen in the finals. And listen to the names he's talking about. Duncan Robinson, who has been so up and down in the playoffs and was often benched during the season. And I like Gabe Vincent, but again, I mean, we're talking about a team that just has a ton of G League guys on it, and this kid continues to excel. But if, if you make it that easy with a wide-open three because you'll botch a switch. By the way, best moment of the playoffs so far. The look that Gabe Vincent gave Christian Brown was brilliant. Did you see this? Oh yeah, no, I, mean, I was. I was more concentrating on uh, oh, Bruce Brown and the look that he was giving Christian Brown. Now I didn't. What did Vincent do? So on that play that that uh, JJ Reddick's describing, obviously Vincent's just wide open because Brown like smokes it. And you're like, oh smoke! I got to go back and I got to contest this. By the time he gets a hand up, the ball's already on its downward path toward the basket. So Vincent nails the three and he gives. <laughs> He gives Brown the most brilliant look of, you really left me wide open all by myself, kid? Like, you can't do that again. Um, but those were key moments. And like you said, you know, this is what makes the heat kind of annoying. You know, they're they're shooting these ridiculous – they have their student, these ridiculous shooting performances that are somewhat unsustainable, but they're different in, like, every single facet. So you go back to the Milwaukee series. They shoot 47% from three, over 50% on contested threes. The Celtics series, they shoot the best rate on wide-open looks from three-point range that we've seen in 10 years. You go back to yesterday. That was the best offensive efficiency rating for a single quarter in a game this po- this this season, not even just postseason, regular season and postseason. So like they're doing these ridiculous things that they can't keep doing, so they just do another ridiculous and unsustainable thing to get themselves another victory, but you said it. The communication I thought yesterday for Denver defensively was abhorrent. Michael Porter Jr. was in the middle of a whole lot of those breakdowns where he's supposed to communicate effectively. He was one of the guys, if you're watching him, that they didn't want on Jimmy Butler defensively. So he's staying home on guys because he knows he can't switch on to Butler, but he's not communicating that effectively to the other guys around him. So that's leading to a big breakdown. He's in the middle of a lot of stuff where, like, KCP and him were in the middle of one where they both go for Butler, and all of a sudden KCP screaming at him, like, you got to go back to the corner. And sure enough, there's a wide-open three for Max Struess. It was really bad. Now, I think that those are things that are able to get fixed because that's communication. But when you hear Michael Malone after a game go, you know, some guys, when they're sulking because shots aren't going down and things start to go south, that can't happen in the NBA Finals. He's talking about Michael Porter Jr. Those are the things that got to get a lot better. Because if they're not, I don't, I don't think the Heat are better than the Nuggets, but they are well-coached, and they are always prepared. And if you're going to make a mistake, they will exploit it over and over again, and that's exactly what they did yesterday. I want to say this. At the end of my career, when everybody was running delay, we had a very simple rule. If there's a pin down on delay action, and the big has the ball up, up top, and the guy getting the screen curls towards the basket, automatic switch. Automatic switch. I, I don't think in that scenario where it's Gabe Vincent and Duncan Robinson, you're not creating a mismatch. Right. Right. It's two shooting guards, yeah, essentially. It's not, it's not big to small. Yeah. By the way, are we committing a cardinal sin by talking basketball? What do you mean? Huh? Are we not allowed to? No, like the actual basketball. Oh, not or like... Or we, do we need to get right to LeBron going to Dallas? <laughs> right. We're going to hit that in the 5 o'clock hour. But, or or but talking... I looked, I looked on a couple of websites this morning. I'm like, wait... Kyrie Irving saying he wants LeBron in Dallas is actually ahead of the, the finals? That's crazy. That's wild. Yep. I know. I've got thoughts on Jimmy Butler's legacy if you want. We can do that. Uh, we've got a lot coming up. <laughs> we, had, we, have, we have his legacy. We'll get into uh, Michael Malone, like you said, after the game, 
trying to motivate, but also said effort a bunch of times. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that pisses off guys like Jokic or or Murray. We'll see how it affects them there. Uh, on the way back. By the way, we're about 15 minutes away from talking to Dana Lane, really good on hockey. And I think one of the supporters is is more open-minded than I think we have been on the A Stadium. But on the way back, there was a little uh, showdown at the end of the press conference with Eric Spolstra and Ramona Shelburne, and we are split on what happened. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 All right, rolling on here on a Monday. So much to get into. A lot more set up for tonight's game at the Fortress. Golden Knights getting ready to try and take a 2-0 lead on the Panthers. Willie Ramirez will chime in live from the arena. DeMond's here. It's Cofield, John Von Tobel. So you guys sent over stories. We always share stories. And you both sent over a story about Eric Spolstra at the end of the press conference. I think that's important to point out. Mm-hmm. With Ramona Shelburne, before we play the sound, you sent over a description saying that the reporter got roasted by Spolster. Roasted can still be rude. Or, you know, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily for it, but it sounded like, yeah, he kind of roasted her a little bit. When asked a question and he did the uh, – it's just uh, – I'm so on, annoyed. <laughs> Chill, bro. Chill. And, Damon, you thought it was rude? Oh, it was definitely Ruth, the, the the putting his hand on his temples to the untrained eye. Well, guess what, man? Just about all the fans are the untrained eye. Sorry that she's trying to service her yeah. audience. Well, I mean, a coach I don't think is expected to understand the mission of the reporter. I do think it's funny, though, when lots of fans get on reporters and are like, stupid question! There's a reason questions are being asked. She's trying to craft a story. He can just answer it without mentioning the untrained eye. Fire this. Hey, Coach. Ramona Shelburne, ESPN. Uh, this is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when, when teams play against Jokic, you, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. You, he only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just... That's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. You know, twice in two seasons, he's been the best player on this planet. Well, here's the thing. Can I, I actually think I know what's happening here. I I don't think Spolster was necessarily targeting this at Ramona Shelburne. I think he's trying to mask the fact that that's exactly what they're doing. Like he, it's not if you if you want to phrase it as turning him into a scorer, okay, fine. You don't want to do it like that. But you know what they're doing? They're comfortable guarding him one on one, making sure the passing lanes aren't there, and cutting off everybody else. In the games in which the the Nuggets have lost, so the three before, right? They lost three postseason games before the NBA Finals, Steve. He had averaged 42 points on 61% shooting. 27 points in the wins. What, last night? 41 points on 57% shooting. It's pretty simple. Now, whether you want to like qualify it as turning him into a scorer or turning it somewhere different, that's exactly what they did yesterday. Come on, give me spoke too. You can't just say... <laughs> Oh, make him a score. <laughs> That's not how they play. They they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. Uh, we have to focus on what we do. Um, you know, we try to do things the hard way, um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. Um, and we he has our full respect. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Coach. All right, a lot of thank yous at the end, Amon. That wasn't rude. But do you think he put Ramona on blast? Yeah, because you got JVT saying, oh, she got roasted, all because she's just trying to service our audience. And I said in in the topics, an all-time postseason of coaches just being rude. You had Joe Mazzula, Michael Malone, he's another one, where these guys are just going off on reporters. Take it easy. 
that's my biggest message. Just take it easy, coaches. Well, you know, you're you're actually picking up a lot of my thunder, but I'm going to push back a little bit. First of all, I think Missoula is extremely uncomfortable in giving elongated answers because I don't know that he's done a ton of interviews. He's like yeah. a very cut-and-dry guy. Um, in the case of Malone, I was a little annoyed by that, but he was right. He was right in saying, hey, the narrative should be that Jokic is awesome right. and let's stop worrying about you know what the Lakers did and how they adjusted. It was kind of a cocky statement like, we're going to bury you. And then they went on and buried him. And then they went on and buried him. In the case of Spolstra, I think he got caught. It was at the end of the press conference. I don't know how long it was. Mm. Um, I'm not sure why Ramona got her question last. Clearly, she was writing about it, and she did write about it. Uh, but I'm with John. I actually think he's trying to cover up that that is what they're doing. And it also may have been a, like a little like a little shot at some of the broadcasters and some of the analysts around the game. Because I noticed the Kamenetsky brothers, who are you know, really good basketball guys out of L.A., have done a lot of Lakers stuff. Uh, one of them said, yeah, he's just masking. He's just trying to deflect here because it is what they're doing. That is the plan. I mean, there'll, there'll probably be more twists and turns and more adjustments. Right. But, uh, you know, it's it's a short sample. What is it? Are they 13-1 when he's under 40 points, 0-3 when he's over? Yeah, something like Some, that. Yeah. Uh, close, whatever. I don't, I don't know if they've played it's 18. It's super small sample size. Yeah, that's right. And here's the thing, too, with this, because if you actually listen to what he's saying as well, I, I think he almost took it as it's not that simple, like what we're doing here. We're not just saying go ahead and score. We're doing a lot of things to allow this to happen, like for this to happen. So if you listen to it when he's like, you know, he demands our respect and all that, I think he took it as more like a, hey, you're just letting him score. And like, that's not really what's going on. The end of it, the base game is, hey, cut everything else off. Again, oversimplifying it. And then allowing Jokic to just go one on one with his with his opponent defensively, but I think the way he took it was just like it's not that simple. We're doing more than that. Did you think there was a secret weapon in terms of a player inserted and in getting twenty one minutes? <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Love was Kevin Love so part of a nice move. I think it was, but I don't think it. The way I described it earlier today, like on you know, we did the Harvard Handicappers podcast, where you get your podcast. Um, the way I describe it was it was the trickle-down effect of starting Kevin Love because putting Kevin Love in says, okay, you put Kevin Love now on the power forward, which is Aaron Gordon. That allows Jimmy Butler now to play defense on Jamal Murray, and you saw that throughout the entire game. I mean, Murray only got up, I think, was it 13, 14 shot attempts in the game? He was on Murray on the final possession where he put up a three and he contested it really nicely. So I don't think it was necessarily what Love did. It's a trickle-down effect of having Love out there and taking out the power forward defensively. Not taking him out, but just being able to put him on it and then allowing Jimmy Butler to kind of roam and go on the best offensive weapon of the other team, which is, of course, Jamal Murray. More on the NBA Finals in the 4 o'clock hour. I know everyone's getting all amped up for the Stanley Cup Final. If you have not made plans, because you'll know when you go out to a restaurant, you'll notice, and bars, pretty crowded right now. Okay. I mean, the city is really fired up. And if you're not going to the game, a great spot just down the road to go check it out is Ellis Island Casino and Brewery right there on Koval and Flamingo. The Point, 97.1, one of our sister stations is going to be out there with Afternoon DJ Lauren, she'll be on the scene. They've got great specials there. They've got their own brew uh, house there with 11 brews right now. They've got some seasonal in. They've also got seven specialty cocktails. If you wear VGK gear, your first beer is free. Every time there's a VGK goal, which the other night was pretty productive, uh, we've had games where there's been you know three in like eight minutes. Every time they score a goal, free shot. So they got it going on at the front yard. There's plenty of places to watch all around the property, but I totally recommend the front yard. That's where Lauren and 97-1 the point will be. It's Ellis Island Casino and Brewery tonight for game number two. 
between your Vegas Golden Knights and Florida. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 All right, let's continue getting you ready for Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. Back to the NBA a little later on. DeMont's here, JVT, it's Cofield. Dana Lane, who is uh, great on hockey, uh, also has some pretty strong opinions on Vegas and sports and the A's and the stadium, so we'll get to that. Dana, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How you doing? We're good. That was a really entertaining game over the weekend with the Knights. Give me your biggest narrative out of the game. What was the biggest factor for you in the victory? Uh, I just thought that Florida looked like they had nine or ten days off to kind of digest what they just accomplished. I thought this game... Uh, against the Knights. It was the first time in the postseason that they did not uh, get people out of the uh, vision of Bob Brodsky. This was the first time the Knights really got in deep against Boston. They did it against uh, Toronto. They were able to really clear the lane. And that's why Bob Brodsky really goes into this series with a 93% save percentage, which they really have to be better at as far as clearing the lane and clearing his vision uh, or this is going to be a short series. So you think that was more on the Panthers than VGK being uh, you know, exceptional at getting in front of the net? It's, it's up to Florida. Uh, they're the biggest factor in that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think they played well for 20 minutes. I thought that first period was uh, exactly what you would want from Florida. The last 40 minutes as the game went on, I certainly thought that uh, that Vegas imposed their will on Florida. I think they thought they were in the right place at the right time. I loved it. One of the things I love about hockey, Steve, is to watch what everybody's doing that doesn't have the puck. I love when I see teams getting in position to, to take passes or they're finding that, that uh, spot in the ice that's unoccupied so they can be, you know, so they can get a quality shot off. And I, I watched that quite a bit. And as the game went on, Vegas was so much better at that than Florida. I expect Florida to be a, a much better version of what they are. But, you know, as, as much as everybody talks about how you know, great it is, this great run, let's not forget, I mean, this is still a Florida team that made the postseason by one point. And I just think this is, you know, Boston was a show of themselves and Toronto and Carolina do what they do in the, in the postseason. And I just think that they are up against a team right now that, I mean, it looks like the red carpet is rolled out for them as far as the destiny to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, am I wrong in thinking that the officials in the game over the weekend probably should have had a little bit more control of it and that Florida was acting like a petulant child that started losing its grip on its game in the third quarter? Yeah, third period, yeah, so. no, no, that's exactly right. I, I agree. And, but that's been their, their ammo the, the whole postseason. They did it against Boston when they were down in that series. They were down 2-1 and 3-1 and – Started to throw, uh, you know, haymakers and really start to impose their, try to impose their will uh, from a physical standpoint. But Steve, I think in order for Florida, I mean, look, you you look at this top six for Florida, uh, they were nowhere to be found. The Barkov, uh, Carter Verhage, and Duclair line, they had six shots last night. They were a minus three. They cannot be successful against a team that is determined not to play in to that physical caliber of game. Um, or in a physical style that, that Florida wants to pull, pull them into. I mean, they're determined not to get in that. That top line must play better. So in order to do that, they need to absolutely stay away from that physical stuff and start playing hockey. I think the first 20 minutes, you're going to see exactly, uh, really a microcosm of what the rest of the series is going to be. That's the voice of Dana Lane. Excellent on hockey. He's here on ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company. John Von Tobel is here. It's Cofield. John, I wanted you to ask your question 
about all time saves in VGK history with the Aiden Hill save. Oh, uh, I thought Aiden Hill save. That, that's that's got to be the greatest save ever, right? Better than the glove save for Marc Andre Fleury. I think it's a thousand oh, times better. I don't better. know about that. I don't know about I mean, that. It's it's really close. But what's interesting about that play, if you go back and watch it, you know, because I got all the time in the world to do that. Um, Nick Waugh got off the ice late, and that created a five-on-four up the ice. And, and Jack Eichel got on as soon as Waugh got off, but that created that whole thing. I mean, it, you know, five-on-five going up the ice, that might not have – that shouldn't have happened. It was kind of a, uh, a lazy change and, uh, yes, a fantastic save for sure. And, and, you know, hats off to where Aiden Hill is. I know a lot of people snickered when he got added to the roster, and, and including I. I mean, I was on the air talking about – you know, who are you going to lean on, you know, now that Robin Leonard's out or Logan Thompson is out? And Aiden Hill, I mean, a guy that really should be in his, uh, you know, in the in the middle of what he's going to be as a goaltender throughout his career. But he was fantastic. And now, <laughs> now he's going to be a free agent. Now he's going to get paid by somebody at the end of the year. But incredible save and those sort of things. And I think if you take this series in a microcosm going into it, you would say, okay, I think Florida has an edge here in goal. And those sort of things is what absolutely transform, transforms a goaltender from thinking that you know, maybe I, I am the underdog in this goaltending matchup to, man, I am really strong in this matchup. And, I, and I, it goes from you know, having that lack of confidence, maybe that you're not the stronger of the two, to really putting yourself over the top. I mean, in every area in this team, uh, with this team, guys, every area you could check the check the box and say that Vegas is the better of the two teams. Dana, get off the fence. Which one was better? Love save or the stick save? Let's go. No, 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 no. I'm going to go stick save with that. Yes. I'm going I'm to go stick save with that just because it's, you know, fresh. <laughs> Dana Lane's with us. Who else were you impressed by uh, for the Golden Knights? Because like you said, you're watching away from the puck. A lot of times, you know, Shea Theodore broke a forever streak oh, in terms geez. of not scoring a goal. Who else impressed you? I mean, Shea Theodore for sure, and the Petrangelo. I mean, not only in this game, but the, what Petrangelo has done the whole playoff series. I mean, he has taken everybody's best shot, and he has just taken it and stood up. And I mean, I just, we remember him taking a cross check to the to, to the mouth, and now he's you know getting beat up a little bit, and, and this, and you know, he said it in the, in the press conference. I'll take everybody's best shot. So. This is, guys, when you get down to this, the, the, the team that hoists the Stanley Cup is the one that you can say, that guy contributed and that guy contributed. And this, this is why Edmonton is sitting home right now because you've got three, you've got a top line and maybe a second line that's going to contribute. And that's, that's it. With Vegas, you've got four lines. We've seen Bruce Cassidy have no problem putting that fourth line out there against the against the Panthers' top line. I don't know how many how long you want to do that for, but you know he's not a guy that worries about matchups very much. So, um, I, I, listen, depth wise, and now maybe goaltending. I believe me, I, I want to tell you I, I like Florida for very many reasons. Uh, but I just think in every aspect of the game right now, I think Vegas has the edge. But we'll we'll see tonight for sure. Dana Lane up on Twitter at Dana Lane Sports. All right, let's make the transition over to the A's and the stadium. Please. And man, <laughs> social media is a dark, dark place for the A's. Uh, the reception <laughs> has not been good. You have been a little bit of a ray of light, and that's why I wanted you on. And uh, wanted you. I don't even know if you want to make a pitch, but I know you've kind of pushed back on some people saying this is a terrible idea. Are you pro? Uh, giving the money, contributing for the stadium? 
I am pro. Well, here's the thing. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, you know, a lot of people will make the comparison of, well, you, if you're going to give it to the age, how come we don't give it to education? Well, uh, Governor Joe Lombardo was absolutely going to give money to education. In fact, over the next couple of years, they will spend more on education than the state has ever spent if it goes through the assembly and the Senate. And in fact, it'll be in the upper half of the states, well in the upper half of the states of, of education spending. And that's really saying something for a market that's basically Las Vegas. And no disrespect to Reno, kind of. Um, this is basically Las Vegas. And he is really making an effort not only to you know, put the money into education, but also transportation for the charter school. So this is not an either-or thing. I know people like to, to turn it into that. But here's, here's, my, here's always been my issue on that. And I am always pro-sports in Vegas, for sure. But there is a little bit of push and pull for me on this. Number one, I don't need an organization that's going to come here with Moneyball. I don't want an organization that's going to come here with $70 million, uh, as a payroll. We have two teams in this town, two professional, three professional teams in this town right now that spend money. For better or worse, whether or not they win or lose, Knights win, Raiders still building. But they, they spend money and they want to win. I don't think this town is going to get down with an owner that gives off the impression that they don't want to win. Well, what does that mean now? Well, you have to spend at least at the league average. I mean, I would say you would have to be in your 150, 160000000 million range and before I hand any money over, the question needs to be asked, what kind of organization are you going to run? Is this going to be a tourist attraction, or are you actually going to try to win here? That's a key question to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, and as far as the city of Oakland is concerned, hey, look, I, I would much rather have an expansion team for sure. There's no doubt about it. Sometimes beggars can't be choosers. Raiders moved to Los Angeles for 13 years, moved back uh, in 95, to 19, then they moved. They they announced that they were going to go to Carson City in, in 2015. City absolutely did nothing. Golden State Warriors moved out of that the same parking lot. Mm-hmm. City did absolutely nothing. Raiders moved in 2020. City did nothing. The, the Oakland A's. This is not brand new. This goes back to Lou Wolf, who was the the previous managing partner of the Oakland A's. They wanted to move. They were going to move to Fremont, California in 2006. Deal fell through. San Jose, they want, San Jose wanted the A's in 2010. They've been trying to get out of Oakland forever. So Vegas, unfortunately for us, is kind of the next in line. They're not going back to Oakland. They've already said that. If this doesn't go through, we're going to go somewhere else. So I hope, for selfishly, Steve, <laughs> yes. selfishly I want baseball here. Well, I, I, I want it here as well, and I think John does, but you hit it at the beginning. I'm not sure I want this organization. And That's I also right. I think they've done themselves such a disservice with the way they've presented this whole thing, the way the whole process has gone. Now yeah. there's, some, yeah. there's, you know, all the – not all, not all. Because we're, we're deep divey on this, and maybe like 95% of the people in the Valley have no idea of all these numbers and, and who the A's are. They're just going to care about baseball coming here. I just don't I – don't lo- I don't love the way they've handled it. I, I, I am going to go back to the middle of your comment – and I, I don't know exactly how you meant it, but you were talking about beggars can't be choosers. I don't, I don't believe this market is a beggar anymore. I think we can be picky. No, I just mean it in the way of, okay, if we don't get the A's, which are sitting right on our doorstep, for somebody who, you know, like myself, and, and it's, it's selfish. I mean, we, yeah. we vote selfishly, and we want things selfishly. And, of course, I'm in, uh, in sports, so I want more to, to talk about. But 
when is expansion going to happen? I mean, when, when are we looking at that in reality? And would we even get to the point where the NBA is more of a, an option? I mean, Adam Silver said today that they're going to look at uh, NBA, NBA expansion as soon as this TV deal is over next spring. So is that the next option? I don't know. I mean, obviously, we all want all four here. But I want it to be, you know, when Bill, Bill Foley came to town, Bill Foley paid for his own arena. He partnered up with the MGM. It felt right, and it felt good. They were born here. It, it felt like, okay, this is, this is something we can really get behind. Yep. As much as I want the sport of baseball here, Steve, the Oakland A's don't feel right to me. And that's where I am, I am so troubled in my ultimate opinion on this. Danny, we got one minute left. Von Tobel, you got another question? No, he kind of answered it there, which was, I don't think John Fisher, you know, Dana, like you said, you want a team that's going to try to win, spend money, that's going to care about the community, all of those sort of things. We have no indication that's going to happen. We already have yeah. reports that they're toying with the idea of maybe 4 o'clock starts to get yeah. tourists in the building. Like, that's not a guy who I want to give the yeah. money to. Hey, last one, last one, Dana, and we got like 45 seconds. Do you like yep. this site, or do you have a more preferred site, the Trop site? Well, let's see what happens when the construction is fully done. Let's see when we can actually get off an on-ramp and, or off-ramp on Tropicana. Yeah. I mean, we, we thought where the Raiders were was kind of a mess, and, and it's not that bad. I mean, you know, there's logistic issues, but it's not that bad. Hey, look, I, I go up uh, what a mile and a half, two miles past Mandalay Bay and see all that open land and think, boy, that'd be a great place for a stadium, but we know this is all about land value. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of places around town. Uh, I'm not sure TROP is the best site. I also don't believe that that's going to be the final site. I think we're, we're going to get a yes vote here, and then uh, maybe we'll get a switch of sites, but we'll see what happens. Danny, enjoy the game tonight. Appreciate the breakdown, and let's get you on again soon, okay? Yeah, please do. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. There he is, Dana Lane, at Dana Lane Sports. Really good hockey guy. Was doing a show for the longest time with our good buddy, Brian Blessing. Rest in peace. Um, lots to unravel today. I think we're going to get some answers. Pretty soon. <laughs> it's such a weird process, isn't it? Yes. And I, again, I was talking off the air to other radio people and other markets, and I keep saying to them, like, man, I think we're supposed to be like rah-rah on this whole thing, and I feel so bad that we haven't been. But the way the A's have done this, and now I, I, I think my, my bigger concern, well, I'll say this. I believe the story is part A's, but has also shifted to part what we do with our money in this state. Did anyone read the USA Today story that came out on Saturday? It was a really good breakdown about what stadiums really do for markets and what is valuable here. And it kind of broke down, hey, our 90 events at that Tropicana site, do those hold more value to all of us than a 24-7 mega casino? Certainly doesn't produce the jobs. And that's one of the things that kind of drives you nuts. You know, mm-hmm. the, the A's estimates about the jobs, you're like, come on. It's not, it's not going to be thousands of jobs. To build it, yeah. But after that, there's going to be thousands of jobs year-round around the A's. Uh, but go check out the USA Today story. I uh, tweeted it, I think, yesterday morning around 8.30. And, you know, it brought up a lot of things that Nevada's already done. I mean, we've, we've already gotten in bed on two different fronts with a lot of tax breaks for Elon Musk. You see Mark Wahlberg has a place on the west side. He's making the rounds now. You know, they're talking about a studio here with more tax breaks. Like, at some point, do we pump the brakes and go, you know, what's really a good investment? You can't vote for these things in the shadows.